You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. It's five o'clock in the morning. You've just pissed on a dumpster. It's Miller time. Oh, he got hit! Look at the finish The return to glory. We will not be intimidated. We will not back down. All right, folks, we're back. For those of you that are just joining us, Drink and Think with Dak and Dave. We're super excited that everyone is here. We have so many things to talk about. We've got all kinds of sports things to break down. Hockey's back. It's just a great, great time to be alive. Boy. Yeah. Uh, we made a post last night. I honestly, until, you know, like a couple minutes before the game, maybe a couple hours, forgot like hockey was back opening night last night. And the NHL did it right. They put it on a... Tuesday night, so all of the psychotic football fans can still watch hockey. And I'm telling you, the more I watch, the older I get, the more I fucking love hockey. And they did it right with opening night between those two teams last night. Stud. Yeah, um, especially coming off of – and, you know, the, the NHL is probably too classy to do this, but coming off of – the quarterback controversy and the roughing the passer, like his core is the NFL going soft conversation has risen its ugly head yet again. And then you've got hockey where they're just slanging it. Dudes are like breaking hockey sticks over their opponent's calf and getting like three minutes in the box for it. Like it's, it's pretty sick. Was that a, was that a hooking call? I was like, no, no, no. He, he just, he's, there's blood, like his gastrox in half. Oh, that was clean. That was clean. I love you slashed the dog shit out of that kid. Yeah. And it's like, the guy's like limping it off. He's got like, he's like holding his leg in his left hand. Put me back in coach. He's like shaking the hand of the other guy. He's like clean play, dude. So oh, oh, let's just get into that then. All right. The overcalling of the roughing the passer. The NFL is soft. We all know that. But I will tell you one thing that I hate is the we are now going to make up for past transgressions because we messed up and we're just going to call everything, you know. So it's like, oh, yep, two uh, lost some brain cells. So if someone is in within 10 feet of Tom Brady, roughing the passer. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, your typical knee jerk reaction of really the NFL trying to save face. I mean, we can all see having, you know, in whatever organization you've worked in, something bad happens in the in the workforce and the boss that you never see, like shoots out this mass email, just blowing everyone up. And then everyone's like, well, fuck, I guess I'm going to have to, uh, I guess I'm going to have to call these rough in the passer calls. And it's yeah. not like this wasn't a concern earlier, but it's just gotten to a whole new level. But that, But that's like, our culture that's we are so overreactionary instead of going like oh guys we kind of hose that let's regroup round circle meeting and let's publicly say hey we missed some stuff we're going to restructure 
going forward. Nope, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna check the block. We're gonna save face with the media and social media, and we're gonna call everything. And it, it doesn't fix anything. It just makes you look good on paper. Yeah, especially because so rather than actually looking at, okay, how did this happen? And I, right. we know that the investigation is going on as to which really is going to just say that the Miami Dolphins were at fault eventually, rather than really solving, okay, how can we really address this, but without degrading play? Exactly what you're saying. We're just going to throw a blanket on top of it just at the end of the day, so that way the NFL tries to maintain its image and player safety. And if you're a defensive player in the NFL, I mean, don't sneeze too hard. You got to be knocking down the door of the NFL PA saying like, Hey, all of these offensive players, right. They're arguing about all this player safety, yada, yada, yada. How do I, as a defensive player, get some of that action where it's like, well, how am I supposed to do my job? Yeah, you're hundred percent right. Like the defender is now backed into the corner, you know? I mean, you looked at like the Kenny Pickett thing last year. It's like, geez, fake sliding. Like the, the, the quarterback is God on the field. If I push them too hard, that is automatic 15 yards. And like, I mean, let's be real. We, we, you and I both are player safety first, right? That's important. Yeah. Um, however, I think this shows us that, you know, if anything is a key takeaway here, like one, nothing is the perfect answer here Two, they've got some restructuring and, and relooking at things to do. And three, the guys upstairs are making the shots. Those refs on the field, they were just puppets, man. They were doing what they were told. Like, Hey guys, tonight we're calling roughing the passer. It's put it in the book, make it happen. And so, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And, you know, you, you can maybe feel a little bit for the referee. You're kind of caught between it really it's for the sideline referee. That's who I feel for because inevitably that poor bastard is sitting on the sitting right next to the head coach, with the head coach literally chewing on the inside of that dude's ear yeah. with how bad the head judge just made a, a call and all he can just do is just look forward and be like, dude, I know, I know it's, it's jacked up, but Jesus, can you stop spitting on me? Yeah. I, I think that's the, you know, an interesting dynamic to look at, like the we're 2022 version of this is a sport. There's money involved. There's, you know, player safety involved. This is a business versus like the animalistic side of it, like Coliseum, we're swinging swords kind of aspect of football. Right. You know, like half of me wants to see, you know, you're out there form tackling nose first because, you know, that's exciting. And that's, you know, why we watch the game is for excitement. But then obviously the, the player's safety is of utmost importance. And so a fine dynamic there. But um, I don't know, man. I, I think they missed Sunday all together with those calls. And I think they just make the problem worse, right? Because then you just, you look like a hypocrite. So you're all about player safety. And then now, you know, we're just, you know, we're going to fire one dude from the Miami Dolphins. And then now we're just going to throw all these flags, but they're not, you know, there was a lot of plays like, Hey, if this is a flag, then this tackle against Mahomes is a flag. And, 
blah, blah, blah. If, if it's me, I think what we have to do is it's almost like the, you know, we've talked about this with the targeting rule in college football. You need to look at it from the, where it's the, is it the law? Like, as in like by word, we're going to hold up the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. And if you go back and you, and if you apply that to a lot of these plays, you can look at that, especially the, in the body weight is the defensive player's body weight is falling on the offensive player. That is the most ridiculous rule to begin with. Like, I'm not sure if they've taken physics or when was the last time they looked at gravity, but uh, when you're 320 pounds and you're going down, your ability to maneuver is pretty restricted, but like letter of the law. Okay. Yes. He fell on top of them. Spirit of the law. The guy had the ball in his hand. And he's kind of trying to brace the ground. Okay, that's probably not a foul. Yeah. I mean, it was a tackle. There was nothing else he could do. Nothing else he could do. That was clean defensive football. I think, I mean, the big takeaway for me is that the the refs don't have it all together. Um, And then I feel like backtracking to me as a fan just makes that more apparent. Like if you were to say that was roughing the passer and then you made those calls continuously, it's like, hey, that's the law. That's what we're doing. Or vice versa where, you know, don't be bipolar on it because then it just makes you look like a freaking clown. Right. You know, and so So consistency is key for you. Consistency or just coming out and say like, hey, we missed one, boys, but this is the letter of law and this is how we're going forward. But to just overreact like that just shows the public that you do not have your shit together. Which goes back to what I've said like weeks and weeks ago when we first started this whole thing is that the referees at the end of the game should have to stand in front of the media and say, hey, yep, that this is why I called it. This is what the what we have received instructions from the NFL head office and the NFL referees in New or referee head office in New York. This is why I called it that way. Or, yep, this one's on me, blah, blah, blah. Completely agree. So speaking of the media, let's move to um, a little Washington Commanders action. Yeah. So Riverboat Ron, there, Ron Rivera. Uh, one of my more, like, if – like he's a likable guy. I think he's the kind of guy. I think he's kind of a rain. He's got this kind of rain man vibe for me. Doesn't say a whole lot, but you know, he loves to go for it on fourth down. He loves to roll the dice. Uh, so I, I like Ron Rivera, but uh, him no like too much about Carson Wentz. You under no circumstances take the power base and the feet out from him, your starting quarterback in front of the media. You literally, literally say anything but that. Hey, what's the problem with the uh, Washington Commanders? Uh, quarterback. No, no. You dance around that to your blue in the face. You do not call out your starting quarterback. That is the antithesis of leadership. Yeah, and it was it wasn't even it, it wasn't even just the way uh he he called him out. It was like it's this long for those that didn't see the the video. 
it's this very long drawn out um, question about, Hey, look at these other teams that are playing backup quarterbacks and their backup quarterbacks are succeeding or that teams that started poorly, but now they're doing better. What's the difference? And he literally leans in one word answer and says quarterback. Um, Now we all can agree that Carson Wentz is not a good quarterback for some reason. This guy keeps on getting a starting job. He's better than uh, Taylor Heineke. That's true. That's true. When that's your backup, you know, it's like, yeah, he can throw. So there we go. He gets a starting job. And it's funny. You got Carson Wentz. He does one. He has one good season. And he has just ridden that into every single job since then. Right? Yeah. He goes goes to Indy. He he goes to Indy, doesn't perform, get hit quarterback or his uh, Indy buys out his contract and then he doesn't perform. Then he goes to the commanders. They buy out his contract from Indy. And it's just this just absolute disaster that just keeps rolling down the hill. Yeah, big, big oof there, Colts, because you're not looking much prettier right now. Um, At the end of the day, though, he came out and he was like, yeah, well, he's, he's shown a little bit of promise, but not too much. You know, he was just like equivocal on his starting quarterback. And yeah. to me, that's just not the, the image that you want to paint. At the end of the day, who gives a shit about what the media thinks or says? That Guess who's looking at Twitter and Instagram later? The rest of the team. Everyone knows that. That is now complete divisiveness inside the commander's locker room. Well, if my, my head coach, the guy who gets paid to call the plays, thinks the starting quarterback is ass, is he ass? And little riffs like that have second and third order effects that you don't realize initially, right? And so, like, a simple comment like that, in my mind, in my mind as, you know, philosophy on leadership, that ripple effect can really screw a team up. Absolutely, because all of a sudden now you start you start, like you said, you start questioning. And then the the margin of victory is so small in the NFL. When you look at like the point spreads between college on the betting side and the NFL, it's it's infinitesimal. Like the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers were were two touchdown dogs against the Bills last week. This was the first time that they had been two touchdown dogs since like the 80s. Like it's 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 so small. And so it really comes down to team cohesion and effort. And if you're the offensive lineman that's just tired of getting like of just not winning, or you're the you're the wide receiver that's just tired of not winning, and you get to a point in the game where it's all about effort, it's the third or fourth quarter, and it's do I lay my body on the line to grab this ball, or you know what, screw it, this team I, I don't even like them, like we're not even a team. I, I'm just here for the money and hopefully I can get traded. And so you don't, you don't make that block or you don't dive for that ball. So you get blown up or whatever. I completely agree. We've actually never talked about that before. To me, college, the difference is a talent differential. Whereas in the NFL, most times it is a mental differential, right? Yeah. All those dudes are freaks. We know that freak athletes. Yeah. Who has less penalties? Who has better special teams? Who can make it happen when it's not supposed to happen? Those are mental things, and you're completely right. 
the mental aspect comes in more when you're like, hmm, do I send it all here or am I focused or am I truly invested in this team? And, you know, to me, like I said, to me, comments like that can really tear that apart. Yeah. And this is where, you know, as a coach and Ron Rivera is no, no spring chicken to this job. Obviously he's been in a lot of different programs. He's succeeded and failed at a lot of different programs. Obviously his most successful failure, I guess you could call it would be Carolina. Um, uh, obviously not getting it done there in the Super Bowl, but you know, the ability to take ownership of failure, the failures of your team. That's really what it comes down to. It really comes down to checking your pride and, does Ron Rivera hold any responsibility for uh, for Carson Wentz's failures? Maybe a little bit, uh, but at the end of the day, it's saying, you know what, um, you know, we're just going to go back and work on it. Like, you don't have to single out a, a player who's already catching flack right and left because that's just it's just heaping in, in insult onto injury. Yeah, and. You know, that's a, a very mil, militaristic mindset to think, you know, you and I have both been in positions as, you know, platoon leaders and commanders where you're in charge of people. And what have we been, you know, beat into our head from day one? Everything your unit does or fails to do is your fault, right? Yep. If, if it, it doesn't matter what it is, big or small, if it's jacked up, it's because I did not train you well enough. It's because we did not practice long enough. It's because we did not do X, Y, and Z. That is that is on that individual. So, so you mentioned Carolina and Rivera's uh, kind of tenure there at Carolina. Uh, we got some other Carolina stuff in the news this week. So tell me about that. Yeah, so Matt Rule out as the uh, head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Not really surprising here. Uh, a team that is obviously struggling, another team that has, I think, a lot of difficulty in the locker room. This is going to to your point about cohesion, right? So they took a talented, on paper, a very talented Baker Mayfield from the, from the Cleveland Browns, right? Pay a, a good amount of money to Cleveland, buy out a good portion of his contract, bring him to Carolina, and then Lo and behold, guess what? He sucks as bad as he did at Cleveland. And as a result, part of that is Matt Rule is out. Yeah, I mean, he went 11 and 27 there. Um, I don't know how many times you and I have talked about this. How, how much is that to blame on the culture, the situation, the previous head coach? Um, you know, college and NFL are very different in this aspect, too especially with NIL now, right? You take over a college program. Yeah, you may have a year or two of recruiting, but now dudes are bounced into the transfer portal, blah, blah, blah. You can fix a program quicker than you could have previously. You know what I mean? Like that is a recruiting aspect. There are things in the NFL that are set in the stone. We made trades three years ago that are just now coming to fruition. We can't just throw more money because we have salary caps. And so a lot of, things that are happening in the NFL are not necessary, or at least, you know, um, for Carolina in this situation are not Matt Rule's fault. That being said, 
to me, this may be very judgmental, but you know, first impressions matter. And I've got a, a go or no go check. Doesn't seem like a dude to me. Not the guy I want leading me into battle. Yeah. He seems like the kind of person that he's been on the cusp of being good a couple times, but hasn't ever been able to make that transition, right? We saw him do pretty well at Temple, right? Yeah, look good at Temple. Um, Then he goes to Baylor, ends in Baylor, doing pretty good in Baylor. He was uh, uh, Big 12 Coach of the Year last year there. That's right. And then, so, like, a a good enough never makes it to the top, and then it's this assumption, and I think it's it's a flawed assumption, that if you do good enough at this one thing, without necessarily looking at consistency, without looking at maybe even, like you said, personality, it's the assumption that he can translate that to the bigger stage. And he's never been able to do that in his career with, you know, never been able to win the, uh, you know, the big game, quote unquote. And goes to Carolina, and guess what? He he still can't do that. There's so much about rolling the dice with a head coach, right? Like, and we talked what a couple weeks ago about the the difference between the NCAA and the NFL as a head coach. Like, did did Carolina get mired? You know, yeah, Urban mired here. Like, he started off with Temple. I want to say with Temple as an assistant coach, he went to the Giants for like a year went back to Temple, Baylor, spent all of his time in college, and then gets hired as a head coach for the Carolina Panthers. So that's up. I mean, how many times have we seen the, the learning curve there? And you're expected to go from Baylor, a Big 12 team, to coaching an NFL team. Yeah, and, and even for the greats in Nick Saban, it didn't work out well, right? Exactly, yep, yep. So going back to your point earlier about, um, you know, is, can you blame it on the, your predecessor? And what I will say, you know, certainly there is some blame there, right? Because some we've all walked into those organizations where it's a real dumpster fire and you you think like you're starting from scratch. But, you know, kind of tying it into our Ron Rivera conversation, at some point you got to own it. And at some point it has to be, it's not, you got about, you know, talking to someone recently was a former brigade commander. And he said, with me, you had about 15 minutes. Once you took command where you could blame the other guy. And then after that, it was your problem to solve. And maybe that's, maybe that's Matt rules problem is eventually you're going to have to uh, be assertive and you're eventually you're going to have to own it and say, you know what? It's my problem. Well, yeah, you're not, you're not coaching, you know, Arizona D2 universities here are like high school football. Like you are at the pinnacle of football in America. So you can't just rub off other stuff. Like if you are good enough, you will find a way and get it done. Yeah. Period. No excuses. You definitely also have to fact in the money here that uh, when you are trying to build a program and we've talked about this with college, how long do you give a, uh, a uh, team, you know, how long do you give them to build up to become a great group? 
But when you're in the NFL and it's ticket sales and it's TV rights, you know, are you going to be the the week, the highlight for that week on the on the TV and you're going to get money from that? Is it, you know, how many jerseys are going to get sold? And when it comes down to the X, the X's and O's and dollar signs, if you're losing, if you got a losing record and you're consistently losing, like you said, uh, his record is pretty bad and they've never been able to turn it around. All right, well, let's, uh, let's go from losing to winning. And when I'm talking about winning, I'm talking about drinking some beer because that's something that we can all win at. Got a beer? Got a beer? What beer are you drinking tonight? Beer or beers? Well, I'm drinking beers. That's a given. All right. Well, I have something from Wiseacre Brewing Company out of Memphis, Tennessee. A couple hours here from me. And this is, we're going to go with Bow, Bow Echo Hazy IPA. Could be Bow Echo, but we don't know. We're going to go with Bow Echo. We think that makes more sense. And, uh, you know, not to shit on Southern breweries. Wiseacre was, they make some really great beer. We've posted about them before. They have some good beer. But, you know, I'm just always hesitant about New New England and hazy IPAs from the South because I learned about beer and drank from, you know, drank the nectar from the source in New York. And so... Um, I think this beer probably has some citra, some mosaic, and some centennial in it, which is, you know, your your quintessential kind of throw it into a hazy IPA. Um, but nonetheless, it's a very good beer. I, I haven't had a Wiseacre beer that was not very good, and I would not have another. So shout out, Wiseacre. What about you? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of hazy IPAs. They are probably my favorite. If I could, if I would pigeonhole myself into one specific really uh, type of beer. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of hazy IPAs. I legitimately would not have guessed that just knowing you before like beer life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I, they're my favorites. If it's like a brand new place that I'm trying and it's, like their whole <laughs> fleet of uh, what of uh, beer, and I'll probably go for the hazy IPA first. I think that laugh like triggered something in your mind that I was going to say something ridiculous, and then I threw you off. So I apologize for that. Um, what is your favorite hazy IPA? And then, well, let me let me let you answer that first. Do you have one off the top of your head? Sorry to put you on the spot. Sorry, not sorry. My, my favorite hazy IPA is, hold on. Bow Echo you, from Wiseacre Brewing. <laughs> oh, I can't. Wiseacre, if you want to, if you want to sponsor the podcast, <laughs> uh, just email us at Drink and Think. All right, let's look. Let's take a look. Oh, I know what it is. Electric jellyfish. Electric Jellyfish from Pine House Brewing Company in Austin. That is a fantastic hazy IPA. That is only uh, another one is Medical Grade Haze, which is another really cool one, also from Austin. 
hazy IPA, but it's got a big marijuana leaf on that. Uh, if the army is listening, I don't partake in uh, the marijuana, but medical grade haze <laughs> doesn't actually have any in it. So I drink that. Probably a West Coast IPA, if I had to guess. Those are pretty yes. dank. Yeah. Um, I, could, I, I could see Austin having some pretty good IPAs and hazy IPAs and stuff down there. There's some, there's some interesting people. Yeah. Let me tell you this. I see you in like under a week. Yeah. And I'm bringing you the probably second best like New England IPA on the planet. And one of the probably, yeah, I'd say like top three most recognizable hazy IPAs, New England IPAs on the planet. And that is the Julius. And we've talked about it, but I'm bringing you one. Ice cold. I'm going to have it in my hand when I get out of the car. You got to take a knee and sip it. You don't want to slam it because that's not a slammer. You have to, you know, like waft it a little bit and just like pinky up, sip it. That's how freaking good the Julius is. It's going to, it's going to blow your electric jellyfish all over the place. Mm. <laughs> well, there's a lot of ways that we could go with that. So we'll just move on quickly. Uh, the uh, my beer of the week that I am drinking, uh, I've been on a, a huge Casey Beer Company, which is I pretty much drank everything they got at this point. Uh, but they re- released one for uh, Oktoberfest. It's a Vienna style lager. Oh, it is very good. That's that's good. top probably top three to four favorite beer styles for me. I love a Vienna. Yeah. So it is, you know, like I've said before, Casey Beer Co., they're the, uh, your typical, like, there's four ingredients in beer and they only use four. We're, they were not get, there's no pumpkin going in this bitch. <laughs> so 5.8%, 25 IBUs, and it is very good. I think I, I gave it a up. four on. on oh, that's pretty good for you. Wait, when do you go to Casey Beer Company? This so, week or did you already go? I was supposed to go this week, right? Yeah. But they had a huge, my parents come up, came up this week and going to go out there. And it was a long weekend, but they had a big uh, festival on Saturday and Sunday for their Oktoberfest. Um, that's not really a parent friendly environment, mm. plus kids and all that kind of stuff. So, didn't go for that, but I figured I'd go for a low-key Monday, closed on Mondays. So. Most uh, most microbreweries and, and small-cap breweries are closed on Mondays. That's yeah, so unfortunate. Yep. I will go to Casey Beer Co. Uh, soon. I hear they have a really, really good, like, bar food menu, like, just, like, like uh, appetizers menu, like their beer, pre- like, you know, beer pretzels and all that kind of stuff, but... Didn't get to go, uh, so I will drink my fest beer instead. Oh, yeah. You want to talk some college football? We've talked a little more this week uh, about, you know, other stuff than straight-up football. So let's talk the nitty-gritty. Let's talk about, uh, real quick, last week in the NCAA. 
Yeah, I think uh, the question is, is how close was I to like punching myself in the face or like throwing my head through a wall? And the answer is not as close as you would think. Uh, So the Aggies put up uh, quite a fight against uh, Alabama at Tuscaloosa. I know that Bryce Young wasn't playing. And so that's like the big discriminator. Oh, as Bryce Young was playing. Yeah, that's exactly when Arkansas played him. I said, if we win, there is an asterisk. So, yeah, I feel you there. But, but we both lost. But if you're Alabama and your entire lifeline revolves around, like A&M's offense hasn't been able to score on anybody. But apparently we can score on Alabama. And the fact that you can give up four turnovers, it comes down to the wire. Also, can we get, can we get on this? The love affair that the media has with Alabama's defense is absolutely ridiculous. Okay? They I, – I just hope everyone is listening. The fact that Will Anderson is felt to be – the like number one dude. I understand he has the most tackles for on uh, Alabama's defense, right? I understand that he's very good, but he is not as good. He like everyone's making him out like he is going to be the guy in New York. He's not. He had two easy sacks on Saturday against A and M and completely whiffed like there are better players and the toto like oh henry toto he's this great no just stop okay i'm gonna pull you back from uh you know punching yourself in the face again can we can we talk about can we talk about your boy jimbo yeah we text uh, we text immediately we said okay yep terrible call why would you do that uh, looking like the old Seahawks out there. I, I mean, I don't get it. Did I miss something? So I will say this about the play call. So I've watched this back because I'm a I'm I like a self-deprecating like uh, person. So I've watched the playback multiple times um, just so I can hate myself more. And then like uh, uh, if if the ball is thrown before the receipt. If it, you know, it's an out route. And if the ball is thrown before Stewart breaks, like if it's an NFL play, basically he's yeah, open, but it's, but it's not Haynes King. Haynes King look really good. That game. I text you multiple times. And I was like, Oh dude, he, he's got the starting job back. He is looking good. He is playing sec West football. That was not even close. And maybe Jimbo was like, okay, well, he's on his shit. This is a good call. They won't expect this. You know, hindsight 2020, we'll never be able to be in Jimbo's shoes. And everyone is obviously going to call him out for not running it up the middle. But in my mind, you're – and I don't know the stats on this, and I wish I did. The odds of like a goal line, five-yard, ten-yard, and under – let's say five-yard and under – completion percentage of a pass versus a run even if it's like a you know reverse end around something like that 
or even a bubble screen, something like that where it is a guaranteed catch versus you're on the edge and you have to fight for it. I'd love to see the numbers. I, I completely agree that is an NFL-style play, but that's not Cooper Cup on the edge. Yeah. Yeah, I think – and I think the, here's the here's – the, that to me is the play if you're Alabama that's on the two and you're trying to ma- – and you trust that you have the better athlete. Uh, Stewart, he's a five-star wide receiver. He had a great game, um, almost 100 yards receiving, I think, or maybe over 100 yards. But you've got to know where your talent lies. And this is where you are an unranked team at Alabama trying to do the upset. you got to get creative there. This is the play that should have been called. I'm going to give it to you right now, Jimbo, if you're listening. Appreciate you. I don't, you're not going to get fired. You're fine. I believe in you. Maybe I find think- an offensive coordinator in the offseason, some hot shit guy that's going to come in. And you, that way you can just chill out, relax, drink a Mai Tai on the sidelines. All right, this is the play call. It is a handoff to Devon A-Chain, who is your only star on the field at that time. But you're in your jumbo package, and you leak your number three tight end out, and it's a jump pass from Devon A-Chain to your number three tight end for the touchdown. Okay, so see, I like I like that style, but when that gets fucked up, just to, just as likely as that other pass, now old Dave is on the line, and they're saying, "Pay him his ninety million, get that fucking idiot out of here," you know, like yeah, every everyone's gonna hate on your decision in that moment, which is why I try to give guys some slack, but I just to me, if I am making that play call. I want the guaranteed. I want to know that my athlete has the ball before he tries to make any athletic move first, right? So if it is a a pitch, a handoff, a bubble screen, there's not a defender that is interfering with the statistics there. That defender on the on the end there affected the his ability to catch that ball. If he does it before, then he gets better, you know, sight going forward and can run you know juke into the end zone blah 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 blah. i want him to know that he has the ball and now it is in his hands make the move jump pass great love it love it not nine times out of ten i'm like oh fucking love a jump pass boy triple flea flicker statue of liberty let's go but i don't think that was the play there you had all the momentum in the world now do i say you know do i say like off the tackle run. No, they're expecting that. Get a little creative with it, but keep it on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you even like that, you know, they think that a chain's getting the ball. Maybe you just say zone exactly. read, but sure. But hey, Haynes King, who is a pretty fast dude and he's not small, like keep the ball, don't hand it off. Yeah, fake the, fake the handoff to number six. You do a receiver end around, and he he runs it to the wide side of the field. Something I don't know, but you know, being parallel to the deck, trying to reach out and catch that wasn't the move. But I digress. Let's move on. What else stood out to you besides, you know, our seasons crumbling? Yeah. Um, well. 
we'll move past that quickly uh, just for the sake of our own sanity. Uh, I mean, how bad do you think it is in Oklahoma right now? Not only do you get just absolutely destroyed against a TCU team that is turns out to be pretty damn good, but you then go and then you lose, get blanked by a not very good Texas team. Blanked. And granted, you didn't have your starting quarterback, but the largest defeat in the Oklahoma-Texas history. And how much is Brent Venables on the hot seat for you right now? As a first-year coach that's just coming in, what do you think? Well, I mean, the layman in the the stands and watching the TV is going, why did you hire this defensive idiot from Clemson? Now, I, I really like Venables. He's never been a head coach. So to go from a defensive coordinator position to running the show, there's a big difference there, right? Like you are supposed to now be the man over all aspects, not just one aspect. Um, so that was a big leap. And especially of all the, you know, the, uh, the franchise names in football to say like, to say that Oklahoma is expecting big things, Oklahoma expects big things. And yeah. so for you to shit the bed out of the gate, that's a big red flag. However, you can't count the guy out. Like he needs some time. He needs to understand what it means to be a head coach, what his left and right limits are. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, that was a beat down. Wasn't even close. And, you know, hot take if Texas, um, if, if, Yours didn't go down. Texas may be looking a lot better, highly ranked. I think Oklahoma's bad. We talked about this many, many weeks ago. Um, what was the spread on Oklahoma? It was like – Which one? The Oklahoma like against their, Texas? No, 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 no. Their win-loss ratio for the season. Was it 10-2? and two? No. Yeah, Oklahoma, no. It was 11-1. and one. They had 11, for, It was 11 wins. For Oklahoma? Yeah. Yeah, uh, they can only get okay. one loss. Sure. Well, I remember very adamantly discussing that that's not going to happen, that they were going to drop several games, and here it is. And you just can't expect a first-year coach with a team that got their talent gutted to perform like that. And uh, that was a pretty big letdown for – you know, one of the biggest rivalries in college football. I mean. Uh, yeah, I, I did not think about that, but yeah, good call. I do remember you being high on uh, Oklahoma not reaching their win total of 11 uh, this year or 11 and a half, I think it was. But um, are you serious? Yeah. How? I mean, it, because, because it was, it's Oklahoma, right? It's the assumption is, is they're going to lose one game. I thought it was, t- I thought it was 10 and two. I don't, Recall it may it, it either may way. have been either way been. either way it doesn't matter they ain't getting that it ship, anyway yeah that ship has sailed boys I will say this about Texas they're in a huge huge letdown spot this week right they just blew the doors off of they just blew the doors off of Oklahoma when yours back you know there's nothing but green in front of them and 
just at home, they're hosting Iowa State. I like some Cyclones. Who does have a habit of going into somebody else's house and pulling off the upset. Now, I don't want I don't want to say that Iowa State's the outright here, but right now the total is almost 17 points in favor of Texas. I don't think Iowa State loses that bad. 16 and a half? Yeah. No, I, I agree. That's a that's a good huge letdown yeah. spot for Texas here. They come out slow. I, if Iowa State can hold their own and just kind of keep punching, I, I and you know not allow some some big plays, keep uh, keep Bijan Robinson contained a little bit, not allow those big runs. I think they might they'll keep it under this total. I am going to watch that closely. I totally could see Iowa State coming in and up and 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 up and setting them. Up and setting them. Upsetting Texas. Um, we'll see. I don't know, man. Like Quinn Ewers may be the real deal. They looked fantastic. We'll see the rest of their season unfold. I do, I want to switch over to the Pac-12. Two questions for you here. One, okay. very obvious. If you win UCLA and USC, leave the Pac-12. Is the Pac-12 even a Power Five anymore? That's a that's a good question about just a, a couple of different conferences, right? It's not just with the Pac-12. And for all of our friends or that listen to, and not even friends, just our fans, you know, the, the massive drink and think uh, fan base that is huge within uh, Pac-12, they are so happy that you brought that up. I mean, you still have. Oregon, right? Oregon. You still got Oregon out there who is playing well. Bo Nix, who would have thunk it, man, when he's not getting sacked 50 times a game, can actually hurl the ball around. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Utah. I don't – I mean, it depends, right? It depends on who you have and what where they're at. I mean, they could be. Uh, I think they probably will just because of the potential. but. You know, you know, the same thing could be said for the Big 12 and the ACC. I was really like just looking for a setup there for you to be like Pat Dak on the back. When UCLA and USC leaves, is the Pac 12 even a power five? Oh, no, those guys suck. But, you know, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. My next question maybe a hot take. UCLA just beat a very good Utah. USC has not really played too many terribly good teams. Is UCLA a better team than USC and Lincoln Riley and all the hype? I think you have to say yes, right? Because when you look at the, as you said, you look at the schedule, you got UCLA going or beating a ranked Washington team where they were dogs. They beat Oregon, or excuse me, they beat Utah where they were, uh, even though they were favored slightly, they beat Utah and they beat them pretty handily with by 10 points. So you, you have to think that when USC's best win right now is Washington State, you know, yeah, struggled you, against 
the Beavers, Oregon State. Like, I, I think that's a great point. Maybe something that that Vegas, who has been fading the USC this entire year from the get go. Yep. Yeah, maybe maybe they're they're seeing that and saying there's some some trouble brewing out there in uh, in LA and for uh, a Lincoln Riley team this is just normal right because they're always used to playing scrubs beating the shit out of them and they're getting blown out in big games. That's yes, Oklahoma's mantra there. I, I agree. This is a, a coin flip. Are these dudes good, or are they expected to be good? And they just have an easy schedule. I mean, you're looking at Rice, Stanford, Fresno State, um, the Beavers, Sun Devils, Washington State. Like, come on, come on. That's that's nobody. Where UCLA is beating back to back top twenty five teams. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's a that's a really good uh, pick, and probably why, uh, you know, probably why Vegas is is so heavy on fading the USC. Are they are they both six and zero? Oh? Uh, they are both six and zero, oh, undefeated. Okay. Yep. And the big the big play is so is um, for UCLA uh, is they got to buy this week. Next week they are at Oregon. That'll be a hell of a game. I agree. Well, let's just get into that. What are the hell of a games next week? I'll tell you the, the one I want to talk about, and I think everyone wants to talk about and watch. Crickets. I was setting you up there. I thought you were going to. Oh, like, Dak, you're, talk, you're talking about Alabama and Tennessee. <laughs> oh, obviously. thanks, Dave. Yeah. Okay. Well, the good news about this week is that Dave can rest easy. He can watch this week with just joy in his heart and beer in his belly and not worry mm-hmm. about it because the Aggies are on a bye week. So I can just enjoy my weekend <laughs> without go. worrying about this, like, this haunting shadow behind me of the Aggies potentially shit in the bed. Okay. So, um, super interesting game, Alabama, Tennessee. The questions are, you know, as I like to always look, were they looking forward a week? Did they just see A&M and say, you know what? We'll be fine. These guys suck. You know, we got, Tennessee and Hendon Hooker and all that kind of stuff. We need to focus on that. They slept a little bit on AM. Are they really as bad as people say they are? We always get caught in the trap. Past performances equal future ability. And that's not always the case, right? Nick Saban has been the NCAA football god for so long that when they look fallible, we go, no, something's wrong. Oh, well, you know, Bryce Young was out, um, you know. Nick Saban didn't eat enough prunes. I don't know. But they are Alabama football. They have shown some issues the last couple of weeks. Uh, They're number three in the country. Tennessee looks like a football team. And then, you know, again, past performances. Well, it's Tennessee, man. They've been dead for a decade. Hannah Hooker's. Yeah. Hannah Hooker's the real deal. I, I mean, this is easily the best game of the week. I think every TV you know, every TV that is on a college football game, 90 plus percent of them are going to be watching this game. Like this is the game. This could be one of the games of the season. Yeah, it, it certainly can play that up and, and get to that level. The The question for me really revolves around the Tennessee defense. So we're not sure if Bryce Young is going to start. 
Nick Saban he says he's progressing. He, he says starts. that he's he is he's able to like I agree. I think he starts. He sat him last week because he thought he could get away with it. Almost Agreed. didn't pay off. Agreed. Almost yep. didn't pay off. God damn it. But <laughs> but they won. And so here we are. So Bryce Young starts. The question is the Tennessee defense. The Tennessee defense is terrible against the pass. Terrible. We're looking at, I ranked 123 in opponent pass yards per game. And that's pretty bad, folks. That is not good. They they are 128 in opponent pass completion percentage. It is really bad. So Alabama, while they have given up some big plays, while they have not uh, taking the ball away, Alabama's struggling on getting interceptions and all this kind of stuff. They are not terrible in the pass game. They're, they are not terrible. They're not great, but they're not terrible in the rush game. And so the question is, is can Tennessee defense get up enough to get a stop? Because you're right. If you put the ball in Hendon Hooker's hand, He's got enough playmakers around him. He's going to score points. Yep. Can, can they get enough stops with, especially since we assume Bryce Young's going to start? Can they get enough stops to where Tennessee is able to go down the stretch? To me, what stands out, and I've already said I think this is going to be the game of the week. What's the line? Is it still sitting at eight and a half? It's down to seven and a half. So is it so, okay? Okay. It's down to seven and a half. Sharp play is heavy, seems to be heavy on the volunteers. So uh, the volunteers money line is also big, opened at plus 250 down to plus 235, according to Vegas Insider. So uh, Tennessee is, is getting a decent amount of money line. And going back to what you said earlier, it's based on Arkansas, or excuse me, Alabama hasn't performed when they've gone on the road. They haven't covered when they've gone on the road. And so um, the thought is Tennessee has a good good chance here of upsetting them. I'll go ahead and roll into it. I think this is going to be my my lock of the week, my bet of the week. I'm going to take Tennessee to cover here. I don't know that Tennessee wins. Like I said, I, I lean on past, well, it's Alabama, it's Nick Saban. But I'm going to go ahead and go there. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm split here. I really am because if Bryce Young starts, is he able to get it done? But I don't trust the wide receivers on, on for Alabama to score a bunch of points. My almost, I almost want to play the under. 65 and a half is over. That's a damn near perfect game. To you're, you're, you, need, you need 10 touchdowns split between the two of them. I think if Alabama's defense can hold them to enough field goals, I think this may go under, but I, I'm, I'm really split about where this is going to go. I don't disagree. I mean, you know, unless you think Will Anderson is not a guy, I don't know. Will Anderson is a great defensive player, but can we please stop kissing his ass for fucking <laughs> like, oh, look at him. He took on the double team. Yeah, no shit. All right, so we're uh, Tennessee 
within a touchdown and maybe the under. Okay. All right. Any more? We need to get to the NFL. We've been fucking flapping our jaws tonight. All right. There are a couple more games, but you, we know you guys have been sticking around for a while, so we'll go through them quickly. Um, there's a ton of great games this weekend in college football. Number 10, Penn State versus Michigan at the big house. Uh, the line is Michigan minus seven. I think it's gone down to six and a half and it's back up to seven. So the question is, is Penn State legit? I hope so, man. I, I really, I mean, we've talked many times. I really pull for these dudes. Um, is it the helmets? We, no, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't think their quarterback's the dude, but I, yeah, I, don't I like really, him. I really have a, a, a thing for their coach. Um, the thing here is, has Michigan played anybody? Is Michigan legit yet? I don't hate Harbaugh either. I think this may be, you know, this is obviously it's a 10-5 matchup, but this is going to be a closely second uh, that I'm going to be watching. It's an early kickoff, 11 o'clock kickoff. You've got two undefeated teams, both undefeated in conference. And then you've got two, you know, arguably good coaches here. And I think the, the rest of the season goes off of this game. I think your your point that you said earlier is absolutely where we should look at. We're we're, we're hyping this up, right? Like it's going to be this this massive game, and it is within the Big Twelve. But let's just run through the schedule, folks, for these two teams. Okay, so looking at Michigan, they beat. Indiana beat Iowa, beat Maryland barely, and Maryland is a, a decent team. So there you go. They beat UConn 59 to nothing, and they beat Hawaii 56 to nothing. Okay. Let's go over to Penn State. They beat Northwestern. They beat Central Michigan. They went at Auburn against a shit Auburn team and won. Yep. They beat Ohio. Their best win is against Purdue, Purdue. at Purdue yep. opening weekend. And Purdue is not very good this week. This year. Okay. These two teams were put, we're propping them up. They're not very good. Neither of them will be competitive against Ohio State. This is, I, I, this is projected to be like this big game. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a great game. I think it's, I think it's close. I think Penn State covers here uh, just because I really don't believe in Michigan a whole lot, but we'll see. I mean, one of these teams may be legit, and this Saturday will tell, right? Like, neither one of these teams are bad. They're both 5-0, and oh, but completely agree, have not played a soul. So maybe one comes out and blows the brakes off the other, or maybe it's, you know, a, a battle of the lessers. I don't know. Um, but I think whichever team takes the day here, will progress like you say i mean it's all hype you know you beat a 10 team michigan is now the truth even though they have one of six wins that actually matter sure sure the only other, there's a there's a great college football slate and we don't have time to cover all of them the only one we'll touch on briefly 
is TCU and um, Oklahoma State. Uh, the Sharps. You already know. The Sharps are big on TCU. Okie State is big with the public. We shall see line is TCU minus three and a half. Man, TCU looks really, really good. But then Okie State with a huge demonstrative win, comeback against Texas Tech. And then before that, a statement win against Baylor. I don't know. This one's tough to me. Yeah, I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna lean with my mullet, and I'm going Cowboys to ride here. Um, I've been high on them all year. I think they'll continue. I mean, that they, they've had a tough schedule thus far, and they've you know continued to win, continue to dominate, and uh, well, dominate's a strong word, but both both are very good teams. And again, here, one of these will show out and continue to rise. But there's so many, so many freaking college football games that are, you know, worth a damn this week. I assume you're about to go to uh, NC State Syracuse. Good one, Dak. We're going NC State Syracuse here. So uh, this one, it's another one that's just not giving a whole lot of hype, but could be really good. Uh, NC State traveling up there, playing in the dome uh, against the Orange up there in Syracuse. And... I gotta say, I love Syracuse here. They're I know they're I don't like the number minus three and a half, but man, we have seen some crazy upsets in the dome. Uh, we've seen some great teams go up there. Clemson always Clemson, struggles. Clemson, yep, always struggles playing in the dome. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a little bit of hangover here for NC State, and uh, and Syracuse is able to get it done. Plus, Syracuse coming off a of bye week. I uh, I've been high on the Wolfpack all season, but you know, living in upstate New York for so many years, um, I was there when when Dino came in and they were the truth. They were high. They beat Clemson that year. They kind of fell off a little bit. I'm I'm glad to see Syracuse back in the top twenty five. Uh, I hope the best for them. This yeah, again another another good one. <clears throat> I, I'm not going to take a pick there. I honestly don't know. I think I think NC State's probably the better team, but I would like to see Syracuse continue to roll. Yep. All right. So uh, we will shift then um, to – That was a lot NFL. of college football. We talked a lot. We talked a lot of college football. We're going to shift quickly to the NFL. NFL, week, the, like the weak uh, games have really disappointed me so far. Like there hasn't been, I think week one had a pretty stacked schedule. I think week three, but other than that, it's been like, fuck. I mean, Thursday night football. What do we have to look forward to? Well, we got Chicago against Washington. Good. I can like stab my eyes out for four hours while I see if these two teams can score 38 points. Last week. I mean, Broncos, like, geez, oh, Pizzo. That was rough rough to watch we watch because that's what we do but not very exhilarating games but uh, let me tell you what's happening this week you ready you ready here we go Uh, uh, let's go kansas city buffalo bills for those that are are uh not able to watch the video uh that would be dak uh flaunting his uh bill's jersey here that he or bill's hoodie it's like a hockey slash bill's it is. jersey. yeah 
Got the little cross thing going on. Yeah, so uh, it's a it's a toss up between Bills, Chiefs, game of the week, or Cowboys. Toss up Eagles. my ass. Oh, okay, that's fair. Okay, we'll dive in. Where do you want to go? Um, Kansas City, Buffalo. Let's start with that. It's a uh, it's a three thirty kick. So this is your afternoon game. So everyone can tune into this one. And it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a dandy up there in Buffalo. Uh right now the Bills are favored minus two and a half. Over under is 54. Uh Kansas City coming off of a, a real nail biter and off of a short week, also. So True. M- Monday game. Uh now they're playing on Sunday, relatively short week. Uh What's, so uh... What I, I don't I can't recall the stats, but it was something like Patrick Mahomes has never been not favored at home, yada yada yada. I mean, they're going into Kansas City, the underdog. Yeah, and I, I may have said that wrong. It is the Bills at the Chiefs, so uh, coming into Kansas City. Um, yeah, this is a this is a a very tough game to call. On one hand, you've got Kansas City that obviously they can score points, but they have this tendency. If you can pressure Mahomes, like uh, the Raiders were able to do in the first half, he is not very good. Not I say that. I don't – not very good. He is fantastic, <laughs> but the Bills – or excuse me, the Chiefs' offense doesn't run as efficiently. On the other hand, you've got – the Bills, who can basically score, seems seemingly score on anybody. Um, this one's this one's tough to me. I know the Bills are have still have some injuries on defense, but I have to lean here that the Bills are going to get enough pressure on Mahomes that they're going to get get it done, and I think Buffalo squeaks out a close one. Maybe I would take just Buffalo money line. I don't know if I would give the points. Yeah, I, I mean, I like that. Um, yeah, seemingly score at will. They can. 17 is a freak. He's got multiple weapons. I mean, everyone's like, oh, Stefan Diggs. Okay, cool. He's got other weapons. He's got a decent tight end. He's got yeah. Gabe Davis that can just yank, you know, 70-yard passes out of thin air. Freakish catch. Run game struggling, um, which may hurt them in the long run. They've got three running backs kind of vying for who's going to stand out. Um, on that note, did you see – I saw a thing. I don't know how true it is, but the Bills had reached out to uh, try to snag Christian McCaffrey potentially. Could you even imagine Bills' defense with what they are with Josh Allen and the offensive weapons that he has and a healthy Christian McCaffrey? I mean, yeah. geez. Yeah, the, the the key is healthy Christian McCaffrey, and I think true, true. If you if you if you have him in a running back, like if you have him in a running back system where he's not the only offensive weapon, you can probably he has a little bit more survivability. Uh, the only problem in Carolina is he's the only swinging dick around there that's able to do anything, and so they run him like the days are long. So, uh, yep. yeah, I mean that would be that would be a, a huge pickup. For Buffalo, which is that's the really that's the the one key in their game that they kind of lack. Yeah. Now, no, no discredit to Patrick Mahomes. I think from a talent standpoint, 
he may be the most talented player in the NFL. His ability to make something out of nothing is next to none. I mean, you, like the dude is a walking highlight reel. His flicks and his passes, and I'm about to be down, but somehow I throw it 30 yards backwards behind my – I mean, the dude is like a Madden reel. It's unreal. I think they're outmatched. I agree with you. I think the Bills take the day. I hope so. But uh, it's going to be a close one. Uh, in my opinion, I think the Cowboys-Eagles are going to be a good matchup, but Bills-Chiefs, I mean, tune in. Tune in, ladies and gents. So Yeah, for, for sure. What, what's your play there? Are you going to go – you Buffalo spread outright over over and under is fifty four. So I basically, think, I think it has I'm to be gonna, a perfect yeah. game. I think I will not bet on this. If I had an inkling, I would probably take the over here. I just think it's going to be a shootout. I mean, Josh yeah. Allen's throwing for like four hundred yards a game. Patrick Mahomes always gets it done. He has targets when you know they're not supposed to be there. These dudes are probably the best of the business right now. So I probably lean for the over, but, you know, as soon as I say that defense shows up and shits on my day. So probably won't bet on this game. Um, I don't know. I may bet on the Cowboys Eagles. How are, how are your boys faring? So Cooper Rush, they announced Cooper Rush is going to start week six, the Eagles. So yeah. that, 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 I th- that I think is good news. It's, Cowboys, it's smart. Right? It's smart. Yep. You don't want Dak's first game back to be against the in, you know, conference rivals, all that kind of stuff. And why would you take the ball away from Cooper Rush? He's 4-0, yeah. game manager, just won against the reigning Super Bowl champs. Um, and he, he's, he's not the person. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. He's just kind of getting it done. So go ahead and ride the hot hand until it, until it doesn't work. Philly coming into Dallas. The question here is Philly's offense against Dallas's defense, right? Dallas's defense is playing outside of its mind right now. Yeah, you've got, single touch, single touchdown, holding teams to single touchdowns or less. Yeah, you've got t- takeaways. You've got you know the you know the the thing last year was they were good, but they were giving up big plays, and they really haven't done that. Um, so is it you know can Jalen get it done against a great defense? And I, my lean here is Cowboys keep this close. I don't know if they get it done against the Eagles, but I, my lean here is that the Cowboys keep it closer than six. Yeah, I mean, we talked at length about this last week. I think this is smart, and I don't know if this is a business decision or, you know, an actual, like, medical decision. Albeit, I completely agree with you. You don't bring back Dak to potentially lose against the Eagles. Bad look. Let Cooper Rush ride it out. He is playing outside of his mind right now. I think Jalen gets it done. I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan. I've, I, I appreciated his leadership and his tenacity as a collegiate player, and then he didn't miss a beat moving into his pro career. Uh, I mean, this is, a in my mind, a close second game of the week. And I, I don't know if I want to bet on this one either, dude. Yeah, this is close. And then, you know, when you look at the NFC East, you know, you've got the Eagles, which are undefeated. You've got the Cowboys with one loss, Giants with one loss, and the Commanders with one win. So it's, it's really a three-horse race at this point. And so this would be a huge game 
for Philly if they can get it done. And then a huge game, obviously, for Dallas to take the tie break over the Giants and the Eagles and potentially looking into repeating and winning the NFC East again. AKA put your money on the Eagles. Somebody's going to shit the bed here. And that's, uh, that's your story, isn't it? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how it looks, but you know, we, it, we've gone, we've done a lot. We've gone all the way. We've looked at why they need to change the quarterback sack rule and why the NFL has gotten soft through hockey all the way through college football and back to the NFL. So let's close it out. Uh, safety brief advice. What are you thinking that you can leave the, the drink and think nation with going into a great weekend of football? All right, Dave, safety brief for the week. Sports are emotional. Off the field, especially on the field. But if you lose a game that you feel you shouldn't have lost, you should not beat up people because they will immediately run to the emergency room and say that all 200 plus bones are broken in their body. And they will probably take a million dollars from you. So when in doubt, think it out. Don't act. Safety brief of the week. See, I'm going to go with the opposite. I'm going to say if someone sticks a camera in your face, just murder them on the spot. Like after a big win, don't let them take it to court and just like, just, just absolutely like headbutt that guy's face into oblivion and just because he's asking for it. And you would trend, however, be a broke bitch because that's the world we live in. Yes, we all think the dude is a biggity back bitch. However, he's going to be a rich bitch. Unlike Dave here. Yep. So maybe, maybe, I guess, could you, all right, so really quickly, if you're that guy, could you take the shame, the personal shame of being like, dude, we fucking saw the tape. You boinked your booty on the ground. Like if that's my kid and they get up crying, I'm telling them to walk it the fuck off. That's the, that's the world we live in. He's going to say, I binked my booty. Now drive your BMW to ninth grade, you little bitch. That's the world we live in. You said binked your boy. Yeah. The dude's a millionaire now, or soon to be. Guaranteed. Yeah. I guess he's he's playing the game the right way. I just don't know if I like the game. I completely agree, my friend. All right. All right. Well, that's what we have for you this week. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, tune in this weekend. We'll post post. Hoist. We will hoist. We'll hoist some posts. Posts and memes. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's got a great slate for the weekend. Hell yeah, dude. See you later. All right. See you, bro. Peace.